Welcome to the first edition of Game Over International for the Beijing Olympics. I'm so excited for everybody to uh, be tuning in here. I know that it's the first morning, so there's probably fewer than we'll have the rest of the way. But welcome to everyone who has tuned in. If you've stayed up all night, you're insane. And I, I mean, unless you're not in Canada or in Europe or something, and then it's not a big deal. But uh, for those of us in Canada who stayed up all night... Uh, we're nuts, right? The first day is always the hardest one, but uh, it's going to be fun. I'm going to welcome in my guest now, and it is Jared Book from Habs Eyes on the Prize and a veteran reporter on women's hockey. How's it going, Jared? I'm good. I'm, I'm surprisingly good, uh, considering the uh, the time. Uh, but yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm great. Yeah, I feel like I f- feel better than I look. <laughs> <laughs> I was like looking in the mirror and my eyes was like, oh, wow. Okay. Interesting. But uh, yeah, so I feel like uh, Team Canada for the most part got off on the best foot that they possibly could have, uh, you know, absolutely blitzing the Swiss team, uh, despite the fact that they didn't really have much pressure put on the goaltender. Uh, Debian made a fantastic windmill save, I believe, in the (laughs) second period there. So there's a lot of positives to pick out. I think the biggest one, obviously, is Sarah Fillier, who scored the first two goals of the game and announced herself on the international stage (laughs) in an incredible fashion. Yeah, you know, there were high expectations for her, you know, especially after the World Championships as well. She's one of, I think, only two uh, or three NCAA players on this team. Um, so one of the youngest players on the team and yeah, if, if you didn't know who she was a week ago or even a day ago, uh, you definitely know who she is now. And, and that was a performance that the Canada really needed because there was always questions about secondary scoring. There always is when it comes to, to Canada. And, and I think, you know, you look at the score 12, one, yeah, you know, it's, it's, it's a bigger score than normal, especially in Switzerland, who's normally pretty stingy, uh, like they are in men's hockey. And uh, it, it was a great game because of not only the score itself and how they played, but who produced. And, and Sarah Fillier is is really announcing herself. Uh, I don't know if she's necessarily going to be like the number one center the rest of the way for Canada. Uh, I think that's still Mary Philip Poulain. But yeah, she, she definitely made a name for herself. And I'm excited to see how she progresses from what was a fantastic debut. Yeah, absolutely. And that line really carried the day for Canada especially at the beginning there when I don't want to say like things were dicey or anything. Cause I think everybody knows that it, coming into this game, it was incredibly unlikely <laughs> that team Canada was going to lose. Right. But when the game was potentially still up for grabs, it was that line that carried the day and, you know, Natalie Spooner making things difficult for the opposing team as she always does. And I, like you mentioned about the uh, Sarah affiliate, if you haven't known her name, by the end of this tournament, she is going to be a household name. I don't think that's going to change for a very, very long time. It's <laughs> uh, very apparent that she is, I believe, before heading into the tournament, even I was reading about her and people saying like she's like the next one kind of thing. <laughs> so yeah, this is a name that we're going to be talking about a lot. Uh, Mary Philippe Poulin, I thought played really well, but uh, obviously wasn't the offensive force that drove the bus in this game. But I think lots of positives to take from her play as well. Yeah, you know, listen, it, it, it's kind of weird that we're talking about a twelve-one win and Max play had one assist. Uh, <laughs> That's but, weird. But, but, but like, she has this knack, and it's it's 
it, it's something that I've, I've rarely seen in a hockey player. And obviously you can say that I have a lot of things she does, but one of the things she does is that she doesn't look like she's playing well. And then you look at the, the leading scorers and she's top five. And you're like, oh, she hasn't even been playing that well. Like I haven't even, I haven't noticed her being outstanding and she's top five in scoring. And, and that's just the kind of player she is. And then when she really turns it on, usually in overtime or in, or in big games, when she does that, that is when it really becomes next level. So like she has this knack of being outstanding, even when she doesn't look like she's playing outstanding. And you just know that she has that other level to her game. And, and yeah, I, I mean, she played much better than one assist would, would tell you uh, in that game. And, and I think that what's going to happen is, is, Basically, if you try and shut her down, that's when that's going to open things up for the Philly line. And if you try and shut down Philly, then oh, sorry, you have Malcolm Plank coming yeah. down on the next shift. So you know, teams that don't have the depth necessarily of of Canada and and, and the US and, and even maybe even Finland. But the, the thing is, you're going to have to pick your poison, and and that's that's the issue. That a lot of teams are going to have, especially a team like Switzerland, right? Like if you play Mueller and, and Stalder against the Pelé line. And then that opens things up for, for everyone else. Yeah, and Mueller had a bit of a, a struggle game, uh, not necessarily on her, obviously, because it's a, <laughs> it's tough to punch up against Team Canada, against Team USA. Like this is still very much a work in progress for like the next rung of teams, right? Mm. But speaking of depth, that depth for Canada now matters more. I don't think we have an injury update as of yet, but Melody Dose fell going into the boards looked like she smacked her head on the ice and labored big time getting off the ice uh missed the rest of the game seems like she might be out for a bit and she is a incredibly important player for team canada so this depth scoring they've seen in the first game is going to be extremely important to carry them through to the gold medal if they you know manage to win this year if Daoust <laughs> is out long term yeah, I mean, we mentioned Fillier, we mentioned Spooner. The other person who was on that line in the first, you know, 30 minutes of the game was, was Melody Daou. And, and I was thinking to myself, watching it, I'm like, this is going to make people think she's not just a player who plays with Marie-Philippe Poulain, because that's been the kind of knock on her. She was the MVP of the 2018 Olympics, but I don't think many people recognize her as one of the top players in, in the world, especially the casual viewers. Um, you know, up until 2020, 2019, sorry, she didn't play in a world championship because she's had horrible injury luck. And here we are again talking about horrible injury luck. And and it, it, I should stop thinking that this is her coming, like this is a big event for her because I remember the last time I was like, wow, she's like literally one of the top five players in the world. She suffered a knee injury uh, when she was playing for the Canadien back in, back in 2019. So it, it, it 2018, it's just a tough tough blow um it could have been her shoulder as well she was kind of laboring so you know the good news is it's the first game in a tournament so if it is an injury she has some time to to work back but uh the good news is that Canada does have you know secondary scoring we're talking about Blair Turnbull had two goals uh two assists uh Jimmy Lee Rattray played under 10 minutes somehow um so you know the, the good news for Canada is that they they have the ability to, to shoulder the load but Switzerland is not the game that you need your all four lines to go <laughs> that that's going to come when you play Finland, us uh, and teams like that. So it's, uh, I hope that she comes back because she's, you know, 
not only her, but all these players have worked four years to get to this moment. They've barely played in the last two <laughs> years because of COVID. So it, it's it's a tough moment to go out in your first game. But uh, the good news is she has the, shown the ability to bounce back from injuries throughout her entire career. Yeah, and they do have a bit of time before the qualify like the uh, quarterfinals and the the actual knockout stage. So it is yeah, not exactly. like they necessarily need Melody Dost until. <laughs> They get to that point. And then, yes, they definitely would like to have her in the lineup. But for right now, she can yeah. heal and uh, recover a little bit. And hopefully she can come back when the games start to be very important. Uh, you mentioned Jamie Lee Rattray. Obviously, she was the first guest ever on the Noxie and Cax show on SDPN here. And I think both Karelamard and Liz Knox, who Liz Knox is going to be on the show on Monday, they mentioned that uh, they thought Jamie Lee deserved a lot more ice time in the uh, world championships that she played in. <laughs> and now we see again, under 10 minutes for Jamie Lee Ratra, even with an injury. And despite that had a great showing again, what's going on here? Like, can we explain this for people who don't know the dynamics of this Canadian yeah. women's hockey team? <laughs> I, well, I can explain the dynamics. I don't know if I can explain the, the logic, but, um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, look, look Jamie Lee Rattray's performance when she plays under 10 minutes has become her her, her curse. Because I, I think that what's happening is, is that Team Canada has decided that, hey, we can play her under 10 minutes a game and every shift she has a scoring chance. That's incredible. Nobody else can do that. So, so they don't give her a regular shift. And, and I think that that's just the way that they, she's kind of been the, the decided 13 forward. Like it, it's weird because I was looking at, you know, you look at roster projections and there are people that had her as a lock as a 13 forward before they had locks for the, the third and fourth lines. So it, it just seems that they've decided. And, and I don't even think it's, it's guessing or even like joking. I think that they've literally decided that she is a player they can play under 10 minutes and they know they can get something from her. And that's what they've decided to do. It's incredible that we're talking about a game where Melody Daou left in the game in the second period and she still didn't have 10 minutes. It was a 12-1 game. What, why aren't you playing her more? Like it, it just, it, it makes no sense. And I accept to think that that's the role that they wanted to play. And, and you know, going, even going back to 20, 20, 2019 World Championships, they lost uh, Blair Turnbull in, uh, I think it was the, uh, the semifinal against, uh, against Finland that they lost. And they lost her in that game. And then instead of playing double shifting a center, they just refused to play the fourth line and went with three lines. And guess who's on that fourth line? Jamie Lee Rattray. She scored a goal in the first period of that game and played, I think, three shifts the rest of the way. This is an ongoing story, and I don't know how to explain it, except that that's what she does well. You give her, you give her nine minutes a game, and you know those are going to be the best nine minutes she can give you. And I don't know. I don't know if they rearrange the lineup maybe a little bit uh, for an, a game where they're not winning 12-1, and maybe that's that's kind of you know playing Emma Malte, a player who's making her Olympic debut. Maybe that was part of the reasoning as well. But yeah, I, I'm I'm very I'm going to keep one eye on Jamie Lee Ratchet's time on ice for the rest of this tournament because that that I I don't know. She she's great. Look at the goal that she set up for Blair Turnbull. Right, she great forecheck, hard on the puck, creating turnover, centering the play, and yeah, under ten minutes in a twelve-one game. I I don't know. 
it's it's a weird one, but it's kind of like that kind of backwards hockey Canada stuff that like, oh well, this person's <laughs> yeah. really good at this thing, so we're gonna mm-hmm. play players that aren't as good as them over them because they can't play yeah. in this limited role the way she can, and it's like, but you could just elevate the, the person who's playing great. <laughs> <laughs> they do it all the time, right? They 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 get they, they have the choice of all the, the the best players in Canada at the men's level, at the world junior level, at, at the women's level, and they choose to have a fourth line that's just fourth liners, <laughs> or or like or, or players that play that defensive role. And and you know, in a tournament like this, it's it kind of makes sense. But I mean, look, I, I'm still I still have like PTSD from from 2018 Olympics where it was an overtime game with a 20 minute overtime. And they literally played three defenders. And you're t- you have the choice to take six defenders for Team Canada, and you don't play four, five, and six. And yeah. I, it, it's, you know, poor Laura Fortino probably still recovering from that game. I'm sure she had 40 minutes in that game. But yeah, it's just, it, I, I, don't, I don't understand. I, I think that they try and get too cute and, and not take the best players. And at least this time you can make the argument they took the best players, but I mean, they have Victoria Bach on the taxi squad. So I don't know. Um, but, you know, Jamie Lee Ratchie is great. <laughs> and, and, and I think that she's finally getting a stage. And yeah, we're still talking about her not getting ice time somehow. Yeah, hopefully that changes throughout the tournament and we get to see a little bit more of, uh, let's say, I don't want to like say that anybody doesn't deserve it, but I think Jamie Lee right, that's the thing. definitely does deserve a little bit more ice time here. <laughs> yeah. And I, I think she brings something that uh, not a lot of players can match, you know, like with her physicality. And uh, I, I really enjoy watching her play. So let's, let's see more of that. Uh, <laughs> obviously team Canada's women play a lot in the next few days here. I believe they have like three games in the next five days, which is, crazy they they like start this women's tournament and they like pack all the games together then they have like this big break before the quarterfinals which like i guess but interesting scheduling from the olympics here but uh there really is no big challenge for team canada until the team usa game which is you know obviously something that everyone's going to be very excited about but uh this is a team that you want to basically see keep on doing this. Uh, are you concerned at all that they did give up the goal or that the, they got into penalty trouble in this one? I mean, yeah, a little bit. I mean, look, officiating is always going to be questionable. Look, the women's hockey, even more than men's hockey, has so much to the referee's discretion just because of the contact, right? Like the, the whole knock on women's hockey is that there's a body checking penalty or a con- body contact penalty. And Every referee calls that differently. Like there's no rule in men's hockey like that is so arbitrary <laughs> from game to game. Like, you know, you have referees that let things go. Obviously in the playoffs, they let things go, you know, less hooking, less holding. But, but women's hockey is like, okay, is that going to be a hit? And so there's always this feeling out process and it changes from game to game. And players are used to it, right? They're used to like feeling out the... You know, you see it at the men's game in the Olympics where international hockey is, is just different. World Junior, same thing. And, and I think that women's hockey is just used to that because one game to the next, you could have one referee who calls every contact, one referee who doesn't, and and you have to adjust. So it doesn't really concern me. Um, you know, it's their first game in a really long time too. So there's going to be these kind of like flat-footed penalties. But uh, no, Canada is going to get penalties. Um, it's just the way they play. It's It's kind of... A double-edged sword but no it doesn't really worry me um you know 
especially Switzerland's power play is really good, right? <laughs> you have two of the top 10 players in the world on the power play. It's, they're going to score some goals. Um, so, yeah, it doesn't really concern me, but obviously something they need to get rid of. I mean, you go back to world championships and they took penalties all the time in, in that tournament. So, uh, yeah, it, it's, you know, they call it the power kill with Blair Trimble and Lee Clark. Uh, and, yeah, they didn't get a shorthanded goal, but they could. So maybe that's what they're practicing. Yeah, <laughs> they're practicing the shorthanded <laughs> goals, but taking extra shorthanded situations. Uh, before we yeah. move on from women's hockey, I do want to mention the the two other games that already happened. Uh, obviously, uh, Czech, uh, Czechia beat China, but China scored their first goal ever in the Olympics, which is a really cool story. It was a power play goal, actually a pretty sweet goal. Uh, so that's a fun story. And also Sweden was upset by Japan. So is Japan like sneaky good or is Sweden a bit disappointing? Sweden is a weird story for, especially for people who follow men's hockey. Um, they're, they're not even in top division at worlds. Like they're, they were relegated a few years ago. So they have some issues and their top players on top of that tested positive for COVID didn't travel. Um, ah, early, so yeah, they, 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 they have some issues, but no Sweden in the women's hockey. I mean, even if you look at women's hockey, 2006 is probably the, the crowning achievement for any European nation at the Olympics winning silver. Um, but yeah, it, they, they have some trouble. They have some problems. So, uh, it's not as, it's not as big as an upset as it may seem, um, especially coming from a, a men's perspective, but yeah, uh, Japan is good too. They're, they're, they're probably, you know, probably top seven in the world at this point. Um, and, and Sweden is not. <laughs> so, right. um, yeah, so that, that's, that's something to keep an eye on because we haven't seen Sweden play top division in a long time because they, they haven't been in the top division at Worlds. Interesting. Did not realize Sweden had fallen so far because, like you said, the, the silver medal, <laughs> like that's kind of still what I associate Sweden with. Women's right. hockey is like they were right there, right? So interesting and unfortunate for Sweden. All right, so also <laughs> we're going to talk about the Canadian mixed doubles team for curling because mixed doubles I think is like I know it's a new event uh to 2018, <laughs> but I I kind of love it. It seems to like bring some so cool. Yeah, it brings a new dynamic to curling. It it reminds me a little bit obviously it's not as high tempo, but it reminds me of when they brought in like rugby sevens and how that was like, <laughs> wow, this changes everything. It's like super fun and <laughs> I really enjoyed watching some of that uh, tonight while I was not sleeping. But uh, unfortunately, uh, Canada drew a very tough match for the first game, which was like Canada is the reigning champion in terms of the Olympics in mixed doubles curling. But the reigning champion in terms of world championships is Great Britain. They won in 2021. So they faced Great Britain right off the hop, had a chance to win it, but couldn't do uh, anything with the hammer at the end there and lost six to four. Uh, John Morris, who was half of the team that won in Pyeongchang is playing with uh, Rachel Homan, but he said that Rachel was fantastic, but he was not great <laughs> in the game today. So they need to uh, figure things out a little bit. And uh, I think you had mentioned before we started here, Jared, that uh, they haven't really been able to play uh, with each other that much. So interesting to see how their uh, chemistry will develop because of how good or how much curling is about like planning together and, you know, like uh, essentially building something throughout each set or whatever you'd like to call it. Yeah. But uh, also Canada lost their first game last Olympics. <laughs> so not all over at this point. 
Yeah, I mean, they didn't have a, a mixed doubles trial uh, trials at the Olympics. So, I mean, it's such a different game that I think it might take some time to to adjust to it. So, yeah, I don't think you should count Canada out yet. I and mean, obviously, there's a playoff format and things like that as well. So, uh, losing one game does not mean uh, too much. But obviously, they do have to get their stuff together uh, a little bit. Um, but yeah, like you like you mentioned, they they won gold last year despite losing their first game as well. So, yeah, it's it's a tough road, but. Uh, yeah, I mean, I don't think uh, John Morrison, Rachel Holman, I think, was like at 50-something percent. Um, I, she's not going to crawl 50-something percent <laughs> very often. So, uh, yeah, I, I wouldn't count out um, that team yet. No, absolutely not. And they are still maybe not the favorite, but uh, they are a favorite for meddling. So definitely yeah, exactly. something to pay attention to. Uh, I believe they have like three games over the next little bit here, the, like curling, they really do pack in the game as you play a lot <laughs> in a short period of time. Uh, maybe not the most physically demanding sport, but I feel like the amount of focus it takes, like that's, that's a lot to play like essentially four games in two days, but uh, let's, we, there's not too much more to talk about there because there's so many more games coming and it's going to be interesting to see how Canada rebounds there. Then we've got the women's moguls qualifying that I believe has finished now. Unfortunately, one of our girls, uh, Chloe dufour Lapoint, did not qualify, but her younger sister, Justine, just barely did. It was a bit of an interesting thing. Like, obviously, we are not uh, freestyle skiing experts, Jared, but <laughs> from the run that I saw, it seemed like both the broadcasters and myself were pretty confused at the score that Justine got because it seemed like she had a pretty clean run and she just qualified in 10th. That's the highest spot of any of the Canadian women. Uh, Justine obviously won gold in Sochi and I believe silver in Pyeongchang. So a bit surprising of a result. Yeah, I mean, I feel like judging at the Olympics is always it's like often an issue, especially when it comes to Canadian women. Um, but uh, yeah, I think that, you know, there still is some hope for, for Chloe as well, because I think there's a second qualifying round. I'm not a huge moguls expert, but I think that there's two chances that you get in. Um, so, I mean, it'll yes. be interesting to watch, but obviously, you know, you, you see them in, in 10th and 11th and, and you know, something was, something went wrong because <laughs> that's not usually how it goes for them. Um, I, I know when I, when I uh, looked it up uh, this morning, I was like, Oh, that that seems low for them. Uh, so yeah, I, I think that there's still, uh, there's still hope, but obviously it's an event that Canada's kind of had a had a hand on for for a long time, even going back to to Jennifer Heil as well, right? So um, it, it's it's uh, it's an event, obviously um, Michael Kingsbury on the men's side as well, right? So uh, the the sisters really made a name for themselves, uh, I guess, eight years ago now, um, and uh, they they still have uh, a chance to to get on the podium. Yeah, yeah, they were one of the best stories at uh, in Vancouver <laughs> as well. I guess it was Vancouver when they really broke out, right? So uh, not Sochi. No, Jen, Jen Heil was Vancouver. I think it was Sochi when they when they both meddled. Was it? Okay. Um, unless I think so. So I, Sochi honestly, was uh, uh, when the... uh, I'm drawing a blank on the name, but the before Mikhail Kingsbury uh, the first gold Bilodeau. medal on Canadian soil. Oh, yeah, Bilodeau was Vancouver. Bilodeau, that's the one, yes. Yeah. Alexandre Bilodeau, that yeah, was Bil like the big thing. Yeah, exactly. And then Jen Heil won like a couple of days later 
um, herself as well. So um, yeah, it was just, uh, that was Vancouver. And then I think in 2014, it was um, when the sisters both meddled. Um, yes. And then, and then Pyeongchang, I think one of them did. And one finished fourth or something. Um, if I, I again, my, my memory, I, I have like a, all, all the Olympics jumbled together. Like I was still referring to the last Olympics as Sochi like two years ago. Um, yeah. so yeah, it's, <laughs> it's tough. It's, I think that the combination of the pandemic and then like, uh, the NHL is not going to the last Olympics and the last <laughs> Olympics also being in, uh, you know, in Asia where like the time zone yeah. is so much different. So you miss a lot of it. This you're obviously covering it. I'm going to be far more in it than uh, the last time but there's it's hard like it's easy to misremember things and squish things together when it's all over the place in terms of time zones the men's qualifying for men's moguls uh is uh coming up here in a few minutes right after we close out our show uh obviously mikhail kingsbury is a gold medal favorite in that event these are events as we mentioned that are pretty important to canada's medal hopes so hopefully uh Mikhail doesn't get dinged, although it doesn't really matter as long as you qualify, right? Like, that's the main thing. And <laughs> there are two qualification rounds for moguls, so it's not uh, end of the world if, uh, I mean, it would be an absolute shocker if Mikhail Kingsbury didn't <laughs> qualify in the first one. I think that would be, like, a major controversy. But uh, for Chloe Dufour Point, I think she has another chance here. So there's lots to look forward to. There's tons of events today. This is the day that the Olympics really do kick off in maybe not an official capacity. <laughs> one, day, one day before the opening ceremonies, yes. everything really kicks off. <laughs> yes, it's a, it's a weird structure, but we'll take it. It's still fun. All right. Uh, thanks, everybody, for tuning in. We're going to wrap this one up a little bit early. We went a little bit quick today just because it's the first day. There's not as much to talk about as there will be the rest of the way through. Thanks for sticking with us. Thanks for tuning in in this morning and uh we hope to be with you every single day until the end of the olympics upon which time we will have a big wrap-up show and if you love this tune in tomorrow and on the weekend you'll have omar white tic tac tomar from twitter he's going to be hosting for us and it's going to be a lot of fun make sure you check out the sdpn shop get some amazing game over merchandise and uh, download the SDPN app because you can watch this show in any way you choose. You can listen to it on SDPN radio. There's all sorts of stuff. And I believe on the next episode, we're going to have some cross-platform uh, ways where you can watch this show. It's not just going to be on YouTube live. So it's going to be really fun. Stick with us for this whole thing. I'm excited for this show. I think it's going to be fantastic. And uh, Jared, before we close things out, tell everybody where they can find your stuff. Yeah, haveseisenerprise.com. Um, obviously, a li- little less focus on the Olympics at this this time than than usual. Um, probably should change that considering the state of the Canadians. But I mean, you know, <laughs> ch- ch- I, ch- change it to eyes on the uh, podium or something uh, for the next couple of weeks. Maybe uh, get some wins to talk about. Yeah, no kidding. Watch a red team that uh, <laughs> actually scores some goals for once. Although I guess yeah, we didn't exactly. even mention it, but I got to say, I, I hate those black jerseys. That uh, Team Canada was wearing tonight. You can't read I, I don't any know of the how names Brian or numbers. Did it. I, I don't know how they did it. They're calling the game on a monitor, and I couldn't see anything. So, oh yeah, it was uh, a play-by-play no nightmare. Like, <laughs> I think there was a few times where the play-by-play guy was like apologizing for like getting names wrong, or he would just he would like be 
un- non-committal on who had the puck. Yeah. And it's like, I don't blame you because I couldn't read anything on those jerseys. Like, it's just bad design. Yeah. I know they look kind of cool on the rack, but on the ice, terrible. And close up, I, I, when they were showing warm up and, and the close up shots, they looked really cool. It looked like a really super bright red on the black. But then you see, they zoom out and you're like, whoa, whoa. <laughs> yeah. It's not so good. You and for jersey designers, you have to keep broadcast in mind when you're creating this stuff because we got to be able to see. It's the same as like the Oilers orange jerseys. You can't you can't read them on the ice. It's or even their dark blue jerseys are pretty terrible as well. Yeah. Like you got to think of this. Imagine there are fans. Imagine there are fans. Like how are they supposed to see it? Like it's just yeah. not forget forget TV. Forget announcers. The whole point of having numbers on jerseys is to tell who's who. Yep. And especially in a situation like this, where you really want to grow the game, you want everybody to know these women's names. You're making a barrier to that. So I hope this is the last time they wear those black jerseys. Cause I feel like the other two are better looking anyway. I have a big issue with how much Canada leans on black in their jerseys to begin with. In my opinion, it should just be red and white, but I'll leave it.